0: Presented by DogNation.com. This is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So, when I was growing up, I had two grandfathers, and really my dad was like this too. They always used to tell a lot of jokes. And, you know, to some people, they'd be corny jokes, but when you're a kid, you just think they're the funniest things in the world. And one of the jokes that my grandfather used to say a lot is there was this little boy, and his parents were getting a divorce, and the boy had to go in front of the judge when the parents were getting a divorce. And the Judge looked at the boy and said, hey, who do you want to live with? Do you want to live with your dad? The boy said, no, I don't want to go live with my dad. And the judge said, why? The son said, because my daddy beats me. And he said, well, how about your mom? Do you want to go live with your mom? And the boy said, no, I don't want to live with my mama. My mama beats me. And the judge said, well, if you don't want to live with your dad, you don't live with your mom. Who do you want to live with? And the boy said, I want to live with the Atlanta Braves because they don't beat anybody and that was just kind of the way that it was back in the 80s there was just this expectation that if you lived in Georgia in the Atlanta area whether it be Braves or Falcons to a certain degree the Hawks there a little bit there as well and even at that time we're kind of post Herschel Walker we are in like mid to late 80s even Georgia wasn't doing a lot to change the the narrative on this that the expectation was that That if there was something that were, you know, to go on in sports, the idea was the teams in Atlanta, the teams in Georgia, they're just not going to be very good. Like, I'm not old enough to remember when Sports Illustrated, back when Sports Illustrated was a big deal, wrote the Losersville story about Atlanta, but you better believe that the aftermath of that was still being you know i was feeling the effect of that when i was uh when i was growing up and you're kind of left to believe okay well i live in a state that has sports but it's like the worst of the sports it's like the worst teams there you know that there are like if this is losersville you start to sort of sometimes think what well, does that make me a, a little bit of a loser too and i was thinking about all that last night obviously because the Braves broke through and they won a world championship and I always had this vision in my mind of what it would be like to celebrate a world championship for one of my teams or eventually a national championship for georgia and i have this picture in my mind of like this gigantic party where you stay up till dawn and you're doing all that kind of stuff and last night my story was actually a good bit different than that Uh, i was sitting on the couch with my wife and my nine-year-old son and we're wrapped up arm in arm and he's living and dying with every pitch even though the braves are up big my daughter she's younger she just wanted to go to bed she had no interest in last night but i did share this moment with my son and Even though it's not the big party that maybe you one time would have imagined for all of this, it certainly seemed to be pretty poignant because what I was thinking about in in, in watching all of this is, is that the way in which I grew up is now so different than the way in which children of that generation grew up. I grew up thinking that the possibilities were very limited. There was only so good, one of my favorite teams could be, that eventually Georgia would bump into a ceiling in college football. Eventually, the Braves the Falcons or whomever else, they would bump into a ceiling. There was only so much achievement they had the capacity to enjoy but obviously last night whatever ceiling was in place for one of your teams if you live in georgia it was shattered and perhaps shattered forever and for you know kids like my son who's only nine and so many of the young generation of folks who are your own children who are watching in last night uh all of a sudden that's shattered for them perhaps forever there as well that when you watch the braves do what they did overcoming Everything the the Ronald Acuna injury and the Mike Soroka injury that has lingered, and obviously acquiring some guys that weren't necessarily household names based on what they did before they got to Atlanta, uh Jorge Soler in, in included. Uh, you, you you put them on a field for the Braves, and they just find a way to get it done. And it's just one of the coolest sports stories. Obviously for those of us who are partisans for the Braves or live here in the state of Georgia, it's a cool story. But in Major League Baseball it's going to be remembered as one of the most remarkable runs to a world championship that's ever occurred. And as you might imagine, the University of Georgia, the team we talk about here on Dog Nation Daily, they're a part of all of this. It's really fun right now to watch the way in which the sporting fabric in our state is connected. You know, Matt Ryan, Trey Young, they've shown a lot of love for the Braves. The Braves have shown a lot of love to other teams. Obviously, you know, the Braves do the college nights each and every uh, year. Obviously, they've shown a lot of love for UGA and you know, they do the the UGA co-branded hats and there's just a lot of connected fabric between all the different sports entities in georgia right now and it was cool to see where way the ways in which uh, the university of georgia last night was celebrating the atlanta braves world championship and i for me who obviously loves both these entities growing up loving the braves growing up loving uga to see georgia celebrating the braves last night just made it even more enjoyable all the way around let me show you a few of these if you're watching on video uh, a couple social media messages first of all georgia football here With a very nice looking edit, Blooper, the Braves mascot, Uh, a great edit that says, Congratulations, the Atlanta Braves, World Series champs, and the caption saying, Brought it home. Indeed, they did that. I think it's really classy that georgia's football program is busy as it is right now stopped for a moment to appreciate the braves but they weren't the only one you had other uga accounts kind of reaching out to uh, celebrate here a little bit i think the uh, basketball team got involved on that one can swing the next one here yeah uga basketball showing you their own really cool edit here they said they did it way to go braves they give you the World Series caption there. Love to see the Georgia basketball team getting involved with that. The uh, athletics account showing you UGA with the uh, Savannah Morning News paper when the Braves won in 1995, and there's UGA with the handshake with Blooper, the Braves mascot. That's a really cool photo, Uh, a great way to see the celebration. And then finally, one more here from the uh, official athletics account saying, ain't nothing finer in the land and when it comes to major league baseball they truly are the finest in the land the atlanta braves and a whole bunch of dogs fans enjoying all of that too and as i said on twitter last night it's obvious what's next like that this for so many of us is I don't want to call it the appetizer of the main course it's the first course to what's going to be a full meal let's say it that way the first course to what could be quite a delicious meal rolling here for the next uh few months as Georgia tries to follow up on the Braves World Series win last night and win its own national championship and there's a kind of a delicious symmetry to the fact that the Braves hoist the trophy last night. Georgia celebrates that at the same time that Georgia, the University of Georgia, UGA, the football team, was also number one last night in the first college football playoff rankings. Like This is a lot of success for a lot of us to uh, be able to enjoy, almost as much success as you could ever pack into a few days. I mean, it doesn't get much sweeter than Go to Jacksonville, beat the Gators 34-7, spend some time there, uh, you know, that night watching a Braves get a World Series win, come back to Atlanta, see the Braves close it out. All of this in the last few days. I mean, how good is all of that? Only to have it then roll into a big TV spot last night on ESPN with the first playoff rankings to see Georgia unquestioned as the number one team in the country. It's just a reminder that the fun we've enjoyed as sports fans these last couple of months, It may not slow down anytime soon, but this is where Kirby Smart steps in on all this. Kirby Smart says, if you want to see my team celebrate the way that team did last night, coming up with the big moments, getting the big hits when needed, making the big outs when needed, really stepping up in the pressure and playing well in the clutch if you want to see the college football version of that happen come january and starting in december and rolling into all that you have got to be very careful about how you talk right now that the braves were number one when you really want to be they were number one at the end of the season during the middle of the season they were nowhere near being number one but the only thing that anybody remembers is how you finish a season so because of all that Kirby Smart downplays the fact that Georgia's number one right now. So in light of what we saw the Braves do last night, in light of the fact that a lot of Georgia fans are now eager to see UGA follow in that path towards a championship. Let's heed the warning here quickly from Kirby Smart this after, or at least right before uh, Georgia was named number one in the first college football playoff ranking. This is Kirby Smart.
1: They've had this night seven times. And I would dare y'all to know how many of those seven actually won the national championship. One's the answer. So my point would be to the players, and I made the point today and, and will continue to make the point, why, why did only one of the seven win it? And it's pretty easy because it, it either went to their head, um, it affected them, um, they didn't continue to grow and get better. And, you know, the narrative out there will be people will say, I'm not saying this because I certainly don't think it's true at all. But the narrative is what distorts young people's mind that they read on social media and things, that there's this you know, upper echelon of teams and then there's this other group. And I don't think that's the case at all. I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. I see every team in that top 10, top 15, capable of beating each other uh, any given Saturday. So what we better do is distance ourselves from everybody else and get better because we got some tough roads coming down the, the pipe starting this week every week to follow when you play in the sec i told them they could tune in and watch the braves but there's no need to watch the other
0: i told them they could watch the braves but there's no need to watch that college football playoff ranking because in smart's mind being number one now is worthless and i think he's probably for the most part right about that i mean i'm While the the number one ranking may not predict national champions very well, I would say that the top three, top four predict playoff spots, at least in recent years, more often than you might think. So from that standpoint, he's probably on a little bit better ground. But overall, you definitely understand where Kirby's coming from and all of that. And I guess the feeling that it leaves me with is this, thinking about smart speaking there and the the things that he's saying, that there may not be uh, an established science for how you win. But there is certainly probably an established science in place for how you lose. And Smart's probably right about that, that the recipe for losing is thinking that you've done something in November when you should know that the real tests don't happen until December and January. And if you want to make the parallel to the Braves, that's exactly how how their path was traveled in knowing that they never gave up they, they they never gave in they never listened to a voice in their head that may say it's too hard it's too tough it's too whatever else they just kept right on going and in college football Conjuring up whatever spirit that it is that allows you just to keep right on going, I'm guessing that's not an easy thing. That the level of buy in that Georgia has seemingly gotten for itself this year, it's just kind of an uncommon thing. It's just kind of an uncommon degree to which this team seems to be on the right page. I love, I think it was Nolan Smith that used the word blue collar the other day. The blue collar mindset this team has adopted, where they're willing to, including a bunch of guys who may one day be military billionaires they're they're willing to act like rank and file players here and and share glory share spotlight share stats share everything else that that I don't know how quite you get there, but once you kind of veer into that kind of vibe around a team, it's the kind of special thing that you do want to see continue. And if you're a coach, you don't want anything creeping into the discussion that might allow that energy to subside whatsoever. So somehow, some way, the Braves found it and they wrote it to the tune of a world championship. And Georgia, for now, seems to have it there, too kirby says no guarantee that it stays that way you've got to protect that mindset at all costs and that means you've got to ignore being number one right now and so as much as we possibly can we'll heed smart's advice on this that it feels pretty good to be number one right now but when you see the brave celebration last night it serves as a huge reminder that it's going to feel even better when you're number one come the end of the season My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. We're a podcast, all the various podcast players. I'm talking about the Apple Player, Spotify. We post a show at the DogNation.com, the Google Player for the Android devices, and a lot of other platforms I'm not even probably even aware of. However you're getting to us today, we just really, really appreciate you being with us. We've got a lot to say. But the Georgia Bulldogs over the course of our time here together. That means Mike Griffith stopping by here in just a little bit. We'll get a lot from Mike about everything and how it's going to play out with uh Georgia on Saturday against Missouri the aftermath of being ranked number one in the college football playoff rankings last night what's going on with quarterbacks we'll also let you hear from Kirby smart on the subject of quarterback coming up here in a uh, little bit too so there's a lot to do with Georgia obviously it's a celebratory day because the Braves won the World Series but it's still a work day for us too we got to get ready for a big game on Saturday and get you ready for everything else that's still to come with the dogs here this season so we'll do some of that with Mike Griffith here coming up in just a little bit before that though I do want to go around the doghouse, and it's furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. And there was something, and when Conor Raleigh joined us on the show yesterday, there was something that we, I think, kind of briefly got into there at that moment. And I think it deserves a little bit more of an expanded level of attention here that very quietly a guy that's emerging as a crucially important leader for this georgia offense is zamir white white did go over 100 yards for georgia on saturday against the gators had the touchdown at the end that allowed you know georgia to kind of put the finishing touches on florida and kind of rose the the, the stat level for Zamir White there, but really White's contribution to Georgia extends far beyond the stat sheet right now. He is clearly so much more valuable than any statistic could ever tell you. And so I thought it was really cool when. Kirby Smart yesterday. This is last night when Smart's meeting with the media and he was asked about Zamir White. And I thought Smart gave White a really fun and really cool compliment. It actually kind of got me thinking about something related to Zamir, about maybe an important role that he's helped Helping fill f- for Georgia right now. So let me do this. Let me let you hear Smart talking about some of what he likes about Zamir White. And then I'm going to try to add my own words to this about why I think that's so important for Georgia in the moment that we're currently in. This is good stuff. This is Kirby on Zamir. Take a listen to this.
1: What he's done is incredible in terms of, of carrying the, the workload, the leadership, the work ethic. I mean, there's not a day he comes out to practice, he doesn't practice hard and uh the, the the best thing about it is he takes care of his body you know he does a tremendous job i see him come across my office outside my window right here where he's walking back and forth and i'm texting him, what are you doing i'm coming to treatment i'm leaving treatment i'm getting extra treatment i'm taking care of my body so i can be effective and he's uh he's just a great leader
0: just a great leader kirby smart says and I remember when Zamir White committed to UGA. I believe it was June 27th of 2017. Uh, June 27th was his mother's birthday. I'm ashamed to say that I know Zamir White's mom's birth date uh, better than I know some of, the own, some of my own <laughs> important dates for my own family, uh, probably from time to time. But that's how big of a deal it was back on June 27th of 2017 when Zamir White committed to UGA. He was the number one running back in the country. It was, at the time, I'd have to go back and kind of think about this, but I mean, it was as big a recruiting win as as Kirby Smart had kind of had. It was one of the bigger ones. And this was kind of a rock star type name. This was, you know, Mark, you know, headline marquee type name that was coming to the University of Georgia. And yet all these years later the thing that we think of when we think about Zamir White is not that level of attention, not that level of fame, but the kind of i used the word blue collar a moment ago, the kind of blue collar mentality that defines so much of the rest of this team that Zamir White seems to embody that there as well, taking care of his body. This is a guy that had two ACL injuries. This is a guy that's overcome a lot when it comes to some physical stuff in his career. And yet he's shaken all that off. He's become a very good football player and he continues to take care of his body so that he can be available to Georgia week after week after week. And furthermore, you know, there's no doubt that the thing that people outside the bubble of dog nation think about when they think of UGA is clearly the dominant defense. That's a dominant defense that has also much the same way I said about White, a lot of former five star guys who forego their own fame who ignore their own hype and 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 don't pay attention to the fact that one day a lot of these guys are going to be millionaires that one day a lot of these guys are going to be drafted very high and be a big part of some NFL team but for now they're willing to be an, an ensemble cast here in this Georgia defense and that vibe creates such a valuable atmosphere around the Georgia program it's the kind of thing right now that I think that smarts very protective of but you also want that to translate over to the other side of the ball there as well And I think that Zamir White does a really good job of bridging that gap because clearly Georgia, over the course of the last few years, has had more defensive than offensive success. But the mindset that defines the Georgia defense, you want that to go into the offensive meeting rooms there as well. You want that that blue collar, you know, never give up. Fight at all costs. You want that mindset to to permeate the offensive side there as well. And I don't think there's any doubt that Zamir White is is helping lead the way in doing that. There really is, seemingly, at least in my mind, an, an intangible quality that's getting the best out of Georgia and it's taking what's already a talented roster. And heaven knows we've talked a lot about the overall talent level for Georgia a lot over the last couple of days in contrast to what may or may not be going on in Florida. But talent alone is just not going to get it done. Talent alone is not going to get you across the finish line. You've got to have talent willing to work. You've got to have talent willing to lay it on the line. You've got to have talent willing to blend into the scenery and be a part of an ensemble cast and not necessarily demand to be the 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 guy in the starring role. And the Georgia defense got that figured out to a large degree. And I think the Zamir White is certainly taking big steps towards helping define the Georgia offense much that same way there as well. And I just think it's pretty cool. And it's certainly really cool to hear Kirby Smart tossing those compliments around right there. It's around the doghouse. It's furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. And I mentioned last night, I'm watching the end of the Braves game there in my living room. I got my family with me and so many of you kind of doing the same thing there. Well, obviously, when you look around your living room, the place you call home, it feels good when you've got great furniture. And when you live in a well-furnished home, you just feel good about that. And that's where Rooms to Go can step in for you, whether it's a piece of furniture or the entire room. That's why they're called Rooms to Go. They've been famous for doing that for a long time. In the hot real estate market that we've been in a lot of folks are calling a brand new spot home for the first time here and that means for a lot of you that means getting some furniture to fill in that new home or maybe it's just a uh, home you've been in for a while but you want it to feel new again well rooms to go can do that for you too dining room furniture bedrooms living room outdoor patio furniture as folks continue to make a uh, better use out of their outdoor living space all of that is what's possible for you when it comes to rooms to go, you can start your shopping experience by just walking to one of the showrooms and sitting on the furniture, laying on the furniture, feeling with your hands. That's my, probably my favorite thing to do. But a lot of people also like to start their shopping experience online. So Rooms to Go can allow you to do that, too, at RoomsToGo.com. Rooms to Go, furnishing around the doghouse here today. All right, it's Dog Nation Daily, and we got a lot to do. We'll let you hear from Kirby Smart when our show is before our show is done today on the topic of quarterbacks and what's going on with that. So we'll cover all of that with you before we are done. But for now, on everything else related to uh, a busy time for the dogs number one in the playoff ranking and trying to figure out how to stay there by the end of the year let's get ready to talk about all of that right now with a georgia farm bureau practice report with mike griffith here on dog nation daily From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Mike Griffith, a part of a Georgia Farm Bureau practice report, and we'll get a lot from him on what's going on with these dogs. But, Mike, before that, I do have to ask, I am curious, uh, we've seen you wearing the, and I, I call it the Ty Cobb style hat, the Detroit Tigers hat uh, on cover four. You obviously you went to Michigan State. You're, I think, from the state of Michigan, but you've lived in the south here for a long time, too, Um you know have you spent much time as a braves fan around the braves watching the braves well what did the world series win for the braves last night mean for you
2: Uh, not much time for that on the georgia bba i got a number one football team that keeps me pretty busy and, and happy for my neighbors and happy for you i see you uh you enjoy your braves fandom with the jersey and and i know connor invested some time there and some of our other staff members so uh, I'm happy for those people that are loyal and, and invest a lot of their time watching television uh, or going to the Braves games. I'm glad that they were able to get some uh, satisfaction and some enjoyment out of watching that professional uh, franchise win a championship.
0: Mike, uh, I was talking about Zamir White before you joined us. I Kirby Smart gave him a really cool compliment last night. And, you know, I think that the statistics only tell part of this picture, although White did exceed 100 yards on Saturday, that – I I think – and Smart calls him a a valuable leader. I don't think there's any doubt that the the vibe that exists in the Georgia defense, that Samir White's helping also instill that on the offensive side of the ball there as well. I think he's become – I think he has been, but he's becoming even more of an important part of this team. And and frankly – Uh, A little bit of an unsung hero, I believe, for why George has been as good as they've been this year. I've certainly been very impressed with what I've seen by Zamir White. What did you make of what Kirby Smart said about him last night, audio that we heard a moment ago?
2: Yeah, I mean, Zamir's a hardworking, well-liked guy that George has invested a lot of time and effort into. and uh, You know, I think he's playing better now uh, than he has at any point in his career. Um, you know, he's still, uh, he's still not among the top 10 SEC rushers, and I think there's about 15 guys averaging more per carry. But, you know, what he does, he does well. He runs north and south. He runs physical, and I think he's given himself a chance of getting drafted. Um, anytime you've got a guy that works that hard, that takes care of his body, I think it sets an example uh, for the other guys in the running back room. And it's been important for Zamir to step up with, with Kenny McIntosh uh, missing some time with a hamstring and Kendall Milton out. I think James Cook has also had a really good year. Um, but to your point, I mean, you know, Zamir has been a good citizen. He's a good guy. I was glad I had a chance to run across him last week and, and, and shake his hand and tell him how impressed I've been with this north-south style that I'm seeing. It looks like he's really trusting his, his legs more and, um, you know, hitting daylight at 100 miles an hour There's no doubt that's when he's most effective.
0: I just think that when you put him in the category of former five stars on this team that have really completely ignored their own ego, and I just don't think, Mike, that you can say enough about how that factors into the overall success story for Georgia this year. And obviously there's more important games still yet to come, and the most important games still haven't been played. But much the same way the Georgia defense is defined by – you know the Trayvon Walkers, Nolan Smiths, and the uh, you know Adam Andersons, and the the, the guys like that that are willing to be a part of something as opposed to the marquee name, kind of above the uh, fold name in in bold print and lights. They're willing to to kind of blend into the scenery. I think that White kind of functions a lot that way on the Georgia offense there as well, and I think. That when I think about what's been enjoyable about Georgia this year, it to me has been really the selfless nature of the team, and I don't think that's common in this current age of college football where we live in. Where you know the degree to, of buy-in that Georgia's gotten right now is not the industry standard. In fact, if if anything, it's probably the outlier. And so when I think about the things for me personally that I appreciate this about this team right now. I think White does a good job embodying that beyond the fact that he's just been a good running back for the last couple of years. I think that his, 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 his spirit uh, around this Georgia team is pretty valuable, too.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much the temperament across the board, whether we're talking about Jamari Failure or Jordan Davis or uh, JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Louis seen you know, the Kobe Dean, I could go on and on. Um, but the fact is this team hasn't won anything. And they did get beat down and embarrassed by Florida and Alabama last year after all the hype. That was supposed to be the best defense ever last year. And they got embarrassed in the two biggest games of the year. So they've been humbled and, you know, they've taken that uh, that humble pie. They chewed on it during the off season. They struggled to beat Cincinnati, albeit they were missing some guys, but so was Cincinnati. Um, you know, needed that J T Daniels uh, last minute drive with no timeouts and Kenny McIntosh in there. Uh, you know, this is a team that, that has something left to prove, B.A., for all the five stars. They don't have anything to show for it. They've got nothing to show for it. Georgia, uh, I don't believe they've been the biggest underachiever in college football, as someone uh, from the Big Ten, one of the Big Ten ESPN writers wrote earlier this year, conveniently overlooking Michigan, I might add. But, but I do think that there is something to be said for all the five-star talent and the empty trophy case. And I think this is exactly the team uh, that's taken upon itself, you know, to change that. And and I do think they're going to win the national championship. And I do think they're going to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. And I don't think they're going to lose again Uh, because of that approach that you're talking about. It's not just Zemir, it's everybody. I mean, I think, you know, Kirby's got everybody bought in. And, and, you know, everybody's in this thing. Everybody's in this thing together. And um, when a team is able to – you know, put the team ahead of itself, and when they hold one another accountable, I mean, you don't see guys getting into trouble off the field this off season. That's a really good sign, and, you know, that's a level of responsibility. I mean, there's a reason, uh, you know, some guys are on the team and some guys aren't on the team, right? Um, this, is, this is an all-in thing for Georgia football, and uh, it's really been a special season with a lot of heroes from one game to the next.
0: Uh, Georgia was ranked number one last night in the college football playoff rankings. Kirby Smart obviously very much stuck to the script in downplaying all of that. That's the kind of thing you'd expect him to do. But I think it's also, while what Smart said is undeniably true, that you want to be there at the end, not not right now, and maybe – believing too much in that would be the kind of thing that would injure some of the team chemistry stuff that i talked about a a moment ago i think it's also factually correct that it's it's still better to be number one than not because you're obviously starting the month of november in a a pretty good play so overall what did you make of the dogs being number one last evening
2: yeah there wasn't much mystery there wasn't much suspense in it it's interesting to see the other teams but as you said, this isn't Georgia's first rodeo. They were number one once before, and they promptly got knocked off by Auburn. So, I think Kirby's going to make sure that doesn't happen again. With a little bit of a history lesson last night, I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, Kirby, when he holds court, uh, can be really entertaining when he finds a topic that that he wants to talk about. Um, you can see why he's such a great coach and such a great teacher. Uh, and I enjoyed, like I said, I enjoyed his discourse on that. Um, You know, I've had coaches tell me it's harder to stay at the top than get to the top. But, again, with this Georgia team, I think it's a little bit different. I think in some ways, uh, you know, that that uncertainty at quarterback almost, you know, it's almost like Kirby's keeping it stirred up. I mean, he could could settle it pretty quickly and easily. But, you know, it just kind of keeps everybody on edge. I mean, Kirby likes to say get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think he wants the fans to do that too (laughs) because he's dragging everybody along. Uh, with with this painful quarterback situation, but uh, you know it is a competitive team. We're seeing different guys come back from injuries at different points of the season. Uh, I think that keeps the competition up for for positions. I think there's still the potential. I mean, you know, if Jermaine Burton ever gets back on the field, I know Terrence Edwards told us how great he would be. Uh, hopefully, someday we'll see that. Um, you know, Lad McConkey in the meantime's done a good job. AD Mitchell. Uh, you know, Marcus Jack jackson another one of these guys talked up. I think he's got three catches all year. He's got unfinished business. So the good news is, is there's still guys with something to prove out there. Um, and as we mentioned, the quarterback situation, which changes the dynamic of the team.
0: So when I look at the uh, – and we'll get into quarterback stuff here in a moment because Martin obviously had a lot to say about that yesterday. But when I look at the playoff rankings from last night, when I think about the teams that I think of as the, the greatest challenge to Georgia – I don't know how closely they align with what the committee did last night, at least from the top four standpoint. For instance, I don't think a team like Michigan State is much of a threat to UGA at all, but a team like Oklahoma, who was ranked, I think only eighth last night, will look more close to the ratings in a moment. That's the kind of team that I would think would certainly create for an interesting matchup because they are going to put pressure on you to score some points, much the same way that the Rose Bowl at the end of the 2017 season worked out. I feel the same way about Ohio State to a degree. They were ranked below Oregon, the, 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 the team that beat them head-to-head earlier but if i'm a georgia fan i think that there's a greater challenge in beating that ohio state team than this current version of the uh, of the oregon team so when i think about the rest of the rankings around georgia it's really that bama oklahoma ohio state those are for me the teams that i think are maybe the most likely to be in the playoff right now and also the ones that if they do make it uh present the uh, the most significant threat to georgia too what do you think about that
2: I can't include Oklahoma in that conversation. They got shut out by Kansas for a half. I mean, that's one of the worst teams in college football. They're they're inconsistent. They're they're just they're not a good team. Uh, you know, they've they've slid by. So I, I don't think Oklahoma this year. I know what you're saying about the scoring upside, but it's an awful program. And I'm glad a uh, relative to the other unbeaten's. And I'm glad that the College Football Committee finally get got them out of there. I mean, this is a program that hadn't won a college football playoff game yet. Their moment of glory was losing to Georgia. That's as good as Oklahoma's football has been in the last ten years, and that was the best Oklahoma team, by the way. We had the uh, Barry Trammell, the Oklahoma City columnist, on, and he said that was by far and away the best Oklahoma team that he's seen uh, this millennium. Uh, so th- this is, and this ain't that. Ohio State, absolutely, uh, a lot of perimeter speed that you know that might be able to reach out and get into that Georgia secondary with enough pass protection. Uh, nobody's been able to do it yet, though, Brandon. Um, you know, I'm with you. You know, Michigan State. Uh, Mel Tucker is doing it with Mears. He's, he's probably Kirby's biggest competition for Coach of the Year. Probably the number one target for LSU as well. Alabama is certainly a threat. You know, Georgia just to get rid of them, and the SEC Championship game, so they don't have the potential of facing them again. I'm seeing it's a bold pick from national analysts that are picking Alabama to be, including David Pollock, by the way, that are picking Alabama to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. I think that's an interesting. Uh, pick. I think it's also insulting to what Kirby and Georgia have done this year. I don't know why you wouldn't think Cincinnati would give you a good game again. Uh, Aziz Aguilar isn't here anymore, and Nolan Smith has improved, but he's not Aziz. And Des Ritter is a really good quarterback, and that's a game program that would feel confident playing Georgia again because they went toe-to-toe. And yes, Georgia was missing a few guys, but let's not get carried away. Uh, Cincinnati was missing some really good players, too. So I think Cincinnati could be a threat. I think Ohio State could be a threat. Um, Those would probably be the two in Alabama, obviously, but I think you're going to knock them out in the SEC championship game. So it's intriguing. It's always interesting to see how these programs get ranked uh, in the college football playoff. And you're right. It's nice for Georgia to be sitting there in the catbird seat.
0: So let me do one more quick thing on this, then I want to talk to you about a couple other things. Let's say that Georgia beats Alabama in a close way in the SEC championship. Mike, you were one of the guys in 2018 that thought – uh, a close loss for Georgia, its second loss of the season, by the way, a close loss for Georgia to Alabama would be good enough to get Georgia included in the college ball playoff that year. Uh, are you telling me that you think that a close loss for Alabama to Georgia would eliminate it from college ball playoff consideration? Because I'm not quite so sure about that.
2: Yeah, I think it's fair to speculate. Uh, depends on, you know, if there's other unbeaten teams out there. I don't think you could take a, a two loss Alabama over an unbeaten Cincinnati. Or over an unbeaten Oklahoma, even even though I don't think a whole lot of the Sooners if they go unbeaten or even an unbeaten Wake Forest, I, I would I, I think the committee would have a hard time taking a two loss SEC team over a conference a power five undefeated conference champion. I just I just don't think you could do that in this day and age. Uh, a two loss Alabama over a one loss Oregon, I I don't know. I'd need to see the style points. I would need to know how they lost to Georgia. You know, part of the reason why. Uh, I thought Georgia belonged in that year was because Oklahoma was the team that got in ahead of them, and, and I thought Georgia was clearly better. And I think time proved that out as uh, Alabama jumped out to a 28-0 to lead on that Oklahoma team in 16 minutes that Georgia had, had narrowly lost to. Uh, but politics are a part of this. There's no denying that, and it's very hard to predict, as Kirby Smart said, what metrics they will stress from one year to the next
0: uh it's our georgia farm bureau practice report with mike griffith here on dog nation daily here today now obviously georgia farm bureau taking care of folks running the state of georgia have been doing that for decades and so many of the folks in our audience you know they're working hard trying to get to work each and every day and obviously for the people who are making it happen for our state and keeping the the train on the tracks so to speak the way we need for two around here dependable transportation is a big part of that and when you think about dependable transportation the other thing you're thinking about is dependable auto insurance to go along with that vehicle that matters so much to you that means you want an auto insurance provider that keeps its promises to you and that's what Georgia Farm Bureau has been doing literally for decades all across the state of Georgia these are folks that live and work and operate in the communities just like yours and mine all across Georgia I'm talking about friendly agents, local claims adjusters, the folks right there on the scene, arm's length away from you that are taking care of you for one of the most important decisions you can make, how you protect the vehicle that gets you where you need to go. That's what Georgia Farm Bureau does for folks all across the state of Georgia. They're always the home team. You can find out more about them by checking them out online, gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. That'll get you in touch with georgia farm Bureau. all right mike let's keep our conversation going here a little bit a couple other things i want to hit with you quickly before we have to uh, say goodbye to you i feel like i've had a little bit of a handle about what's going on at quarterback with george at least an explanation that's made sense to me and i've talked about this in the show the last couple of weeks although admittedly and we'll let the audience hear the audio before we're done I, admittedly i thought that some of the stuff that smart said about quarterback yesterday probably muddied the waters for me just a little bit i didn't quite know what to make of what kirby said other than the fact that he's just simply not going to take the question head-on of who's starting on saturday and what's exactly going on there uh you were a part of uh, that conversation last night you had a chance to see a little bit of practice earlier this week uh, obviously you also saw what happened on saturday against florida what do you currently make of what's going on for george the quarterback situation and i guess give me some context what you think that Smart had to say last night.
2: Well, I thought he gave some background when he was asked why he didn't put JT Daniels in. He said they have a conversation uh, before the game on who's going to play, and, and they have a conversation once the game starts. And, you know, when, when Stet was asked after the game, when he was told he was going to start, he was told it was his game. That sounded very personal to me. That sounded like one former South Georgia high school player to another uh, who recognized the importance of the Florida game and Stetson's life growing up. And uh, what happened last year when Stetson was injured uh, with a 14-0 lead, and you know I think Kirby wanted Stetson to have his moment, and uh, and he did. You know Stetson was able to win that game, and and uh, he'll go down in history as the Georgia quarterback that beat Florida in 2021. And it's been a long ride. Kirby said, you know uh, he's known Stetson a long time. This is very personal for him, and this is a guy that he has a lot of respect and love for. It's pretty clear.
0: Uh, but let me stop on that for a second because I want to make sure I understand what you're saying correctly are you saying that Kirby Smart chose Stetson Bennett for sentimental reasons is that what you're saying
2: Uh, I I don't know if it was all sentimental I think he said continuity was the word that he used when he explained uh, after the game why he started him but I I think that's part of the story I don't know I wouldn't say that he just picked him because uh, uh, you know because he goes so far back with Stetson but I do think that Part of the story is Kirby's relationship with Stetson and the loyalty that he feels towards Stetson. Certainly, um, you know, and and I think that that played out. Um, you know, I think he explained uh, why he didn't put JT in. He said late in the game, you know, uh, he didn't use JT specifically, but he pointed out in some games you just want to run out the clock and it doesn't really help you to hand the ball off. And then he pointed out in other games you want to keep scoring. And he used Carson Beck uh, throwing a pick six against UAB is an example so reading between the lines it was kind of like why would you put JT in just to hand off in the second half I mean there was you know at that point Georgia had a pretty commanding lead now we can always speculate what would have happened if the defense hadn't forced that 21-0 run would there have been a quarterback change if the game was still 3-0 we'll never know Uh, you know the information that we do know Brandon that's pertinent to this discussion is that the quarterbacks continue to split the reps and I think that if Kirby was going to go with Stetson uh, moving forward for the remainder of the season, I don't think he'd be splitting reps at the one. So I think it's not a matter of if but when. JT gets his opportunity, and and we'll see how the team responds. Uh, The last time JT played quarterback, they scored 35 points in the first quarter, and he got pulled out. (laughs) So uh, the last time we saw him, he looked pretty good. It was Vanderbilt, but Stetson came in in the second quarter and only scored three. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see how they practice. I think that's probably why he didn't announce anything. Is I think there is a competition. I think Kirby is evaluating it every day, and I think it's uh, going to be on JT to show uh, that he's still the best quarterback
0: yeah so what's that gonna take mike because um you say that you think that eventually jt daniels does regain this starting job and obviously we're hearing from some georgia fans probably the majority of georgia fans that kind of hope that's the case not all georgia fans there's some georgia fans that seem to be in the bennett camp but a lot of georgia fans kind of wondered what you know why daniels wasn't more a part of the story against florida so if if he's splitting reps right now with Stetson Bennett, in your mind, what's it going to take for him to to regain the, the reins of this team once again?
2: It's hard to say with Kirby. Um, you know, I, I think, though, that, you know, I think you've got to be aware, if you're Kirby, that you're creating a, um, an image of the program. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think you're pretty solid with, you know, in this next recruiting class with your quarterbacks. But you know, I think you're kind of making your bet for the future. I mean, what is the reputation of Georgia football? Is this a two-quarterback program where, you know, if you come in and you get injured, you lose the job and, and you get replaced and you don't get the job. Is Kirby a guy that's going to play two-court? Is that what you're signing up for if you're Arch Manning? Do you want to compete in this type of scenario um, with week-to-week, not knowing if it's your job? I mean, now, these are unique circumstances, uh, you know, with with JT coming back from injury, I think it's a very unique circumstance. And certainly Stetson is a, a very unique and special player to this program. I consider him a folk hero. Um, you know, Stetson is a, a wonderful, popular guy, and and Kirby has certainly rallied the team around him. Um, you know, there's a lot of favorable press for Stetson Bennett. A lot of the local media um, goes out of their way to ask players how much they like Stetson, and it portrays a very, very strong. Uh, image of Stetson Bennett. So this is what Kirby Smart wanted. This is Look, this is Kirby Smart's team, and he's going to do what he wants. So when you're asking me what is it going to take, that's hard to know because, uh, you know, Kirby's going to do things the way he wants to do it. Right now, you know, they're one of the most run-heavy teams in the nation. I think they're fifth in the country, and, you know, you could say that that's because they've built up leads, but Honestly, the last two games, they haven't looked good in the first half. You know, they scored three offensive points before, uh, you know, the defense triggered a 21-0 flurry in the week before against Kentucky. They only had 14. So they've been getting out to very slow starts of late. Teams are bracketing inside receivers. They're forcing Stetson to throw outside and to throw deep. And I know everyone talks about how much he's improved and, and his great mobility. Uh, and so Stetson's having to compensate a little bit. And, um... We just don't know other than what we saw at practice uh you know what j t. Daniels can do. It's an unknown and and I don't know where j t s confidence is at. I mean, you've pulled the wheel from him uh, this is a guy that you know he started out eight of nine against South Carolina and you pulled him out and put Stetson in because Stetson deserved to play and then the next week he starts out nine out of ten and you pull him out so i I don't know where all that's at, Brandon. I don't know what the future holds. If JT, does he, if Stetson comes back another year, does JT decide to come back to Georgia? Does he he transfer somewhere else? Does he go pro? I mean, there's all sorts of repercussions for decisions that Kirby has to consider. But ultimately, he wants to win a championship, and that's going to be the determining factor of how and when, or if, he brings JT Daniels back.
0: What do you make when a guy like Nolan Smith is so effusive in his praise of stats and the way that he was unprompted on Saturday, you know, he had every opportunity not to say that, but he still did, uh, you know, do you take anything from that, that somehow, some way, some of these Georgia players that are so crucial to the dogs right now that Bennett seems to have earned their belief, even if he hasn't quite fully earned the belief of Georgia fans?
2: I think it goes back to something you said earlier this year, Brandon, that Kirby Smart's the only one that could make the quarterback situation a distraction. And I think he has. And I think there's a potential for uh, a potential. I don't think it's happened um, because I guarantee those receivers are eager to get JT Daniels back. If you take a look at the numbers, if you're a receiver right now, it's not much fun because they're not throwing to the receivers. They're throwing to backs and tight ends because of, of, uh, you know, how the game plan goes, let's say. And uh, if you're a receiver recruit, do you sign up for this? Again, I mean, we're kind of back into the ground and pound that Kirby's comfortable with. And I don't know what JT will have to show to make him – it's good that the defensive guys feel good about Stetson. I mean, I'm pretty sure Noel Smith's kind of a South Georgia high school football player. Uh, But I don't think – you know, I – is it a situation where kids from California and in other regions of the country, you know, are they going to be shy about Georgia over something like this? I don't think so. Uh, there does seem to be some regionalism here, a little bit, with Nolan. Um, he wasn't asked about it, um, and yet he felt um, necessary to say that Stetson was his quarterback. And uh, Kirby was asked about that, and he kind of tried to brush it off and say, well, he'd feel that way about anybody, but... Um, I don't know. Like I said, we we you know we talked to the receivers. I know last week Lad uh felt strong that J T looked really good in practice, and uh, it didn't look real rusty at all to him. So I guess it depends on who you have.
0: Well, I guess my point, and I'll let you go after this, Mike, because I don't want to take too much of your time, is that there's no doubt this has created kind of a stir among fans. But when you hear Nolan saying the things that he's saying, and you know other players there as well, their comfort as guys like James Cook and Kyrus Jackson said, with whoever's back there playing quarterback, that. We can stipulate here, based on what's being said publicly, there's no evidence whatsoever that any of this quarterback stuff has been a distraction for the team at all, right?
2: Yeah, not publicly. I mean, I guess we find out, you know, what happens after the year. Um, you know, what direction the program's going in. Uh, we find out if Todd Monken comes back to run an offense where you throw 15 or 19 passes a game. You find out uh, what receivers and quarterbacks are interested in. You know, it just, it's too early to say. We just don't know the direction of the program. Um, we don't know what's, what, what Kirby Smart wants. We know that uh, Kirby doesn't mind uh, playing two quarterbacks at Georgia. He's not averse to quarterback controversy. He, I, as, as I said, B.A., I think you nailed this long ago when you said the only one that could make this a distraction was Kirby. This is how he chooses to play it out. Um, of course people are going to ask him who the starting quarterback is going to be. That's... That's only natural. Nobody's trying to be divisive on the outside here. This is this is how big time sports works. You know, you're you know, this isn't some small high school program and I mean this is a national program and Georgia is under the microscope and Kirby's under the microscope and analysts are watching and high school recruits are watching and families are being affected and you know, promises have been made and you recruit somebody and you know, people put trust in the school and, and um you know Kirby's got a lot of things to manage here. It's a lot, and so um, I know he's doing his best. I know he loves Georgia and he wants to win a championship, and you know he's got a loyal, a lot of loyalties to his players, and um, it's uh, it's pretty fascinating for sure to watch. I I'm just a fly on the wall here. I'll be real interested to see uh, how it plays out for Georgia. But right now, I don't think it really matters who plays quarterback because this defense is so doggone good. Kirby can win it any way he wants.
0: All right. Well, Mike, that's uh, good stuff. We appreciate you being here as part of the uh, Georgia Farm Bureau practice report today on uh, Dog Nation Daily. I'm trying to figure out which camera. (laughs) I'm still getting used to this. I'm looking at every camera in the studio. The point is, Mike, thanks for being here, and we will look forward to uh, seeing you next time. Thanks, Brandon. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So in our new studio, we have two monitors. We have one monitor that's supposed to be on this side of the studio, and I'm pointing to my right for those who are not listening or not watching uh, you're listening radio podcast. And so when I'm looking to the right, I can see which camera is pointing at me. <laughs> I didn't turn that monitor on this morning. It's a little bit of a new thing for us, and so I'm having to look over my shoulder to see what's being seen on camera. The point is, uh, interesting stuff there from Mike Griffith. But the one thing I'm going to continue to push back very hard on is this idea that ah oh, sentimental kirby he's just choosing stetson bennett because of like whatever reason might exist for that now as i said based on what kirby smart said yesterday and I, i'm gonna play the audio or at least part of the audio i can't play all of it for you because will not have enough time but uh i didn't quite understand what kirby smart was talking about with quarterbacks yesterday um <laughs> this idea that a quarterback can't come in the game just a hand off at the end of the game i wonder what justin fields thinks about that because uh, certainly uh, so that seemed to be a little bit different story back in 2018 but the point is um to say with the modern times here the, the current season we're in in 2021 um this idea that well kirby's just oh, he's just so sentimental man he's just got that special place in his heart for us and bennett i mean how many times do you think that uh bennett would probably go back and think oh, I, if this is what a sentimental level of favoritism looks like then how come he got kind of like Basically tossed aside out of the 2017 season after he'd been a walk-on. Then he came back on scholarship, was basically disregarded going into the 2020 season. Uh, comes in, becomes the starting quarterback, really helps Georgia. At least one game, the Arkansas game, they would have lost without him. He was given no chance to be the starting quarterback here this year. and I'm talking about coming into 2021. Uh, you don't really get the sense he was given much of a chance to even be the backup and yet uh, comes in, saves George's bacon again. So I think if you're Stetson Bennett, and listen, that's not me saying Stetson Bennett should be the guy and JT Daniels should be cast aside. It's going to be Bennett's team. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's always, in my mind, been a misunderstanding that somehow uh, Kirby just boy, got that special place in his heart for Stetson Bennett. Uh, Stetson's been kicked to the curb now, multiple multiple times so I, I don't really quite know exactly what you do with all of that but um, clearly there's some interesting stuff going on there with the quarterback position and ultimately I do think it's good news and I said this a moment ago I'll say this again then we'll roll on I do think it's really good news that while this is a huge topic in a show like this and obviously it's an even bigger topic for Georgia fans you see in our comment sections and you see everything else it's the kind of thing that comes up all the time there is no evidence right now, though, that this is any distraction whatsoever the team itself. I mean, you hear a guy like Nolan Smith, who laid his life on the line in that win against um, against Florida on Saturday, who who's going out there and, and, and playing at an incredibly high level, and guys like him, whatever's going on at quarterback, as unorthodox as it may seem to some of us, there seems to be a level of comfort with the georgia players the guys who who matter in a discussion like this the guys that have contributed to the overwhelmingly positive team chemistry that seems to define georgia right now they seem to be comfortable with all of this and if they're comfortable and who am I not to be comfortable with it there as well? All right, let's transition now. Let's get ready to go cruise on the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And of course, uh, Royal Caribbean, great time to be back on those Royal Caribbean cruise ships right now. Fun time to be doing all of that. Uh, beautiful weather uh, out in the Caribbean as you head towards the end of this year and into the start of 2022. Not too early to start thinking about some of those 2022 vacation plans. And of course, a Royal Caribbean cruise, a great vacation to be able to take because it can be very easy. Port Canaveral, just a short drive from where I'm right now. And that can be a very easy thing to be able to do. You can be able to enjoy that. You can go to Perfect Day, Coco okay. K. It's actually kind of fun with the baseball. Uh, Royal Caribbean's had some TV commercials running during the baseball, and you've got a chance to see. They have that really cool think I guess it must be a drone shot, maybe a helicopter shot, but it's like a, uh, a drone shot kind of Looking down on the helium balloon, and you see the expanse of uh, of Perfect Day Coco K. Those commercials have been all over the place for the World Series. So you probably saw some of those. And it just looks like the most fun thing in the world uh, to do. I, I can't wait to get a chance to hopefully enjoy that myself here really soon that's just what royal caribbean does for you really puts together as much of a fun just wild beyond your imagination type vacation so get ready to enjoy that if you have not done that the cruise and vacation authority is also the outlet we would tell you to go to 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 do the best job of booking a royal caribbean vacation for you we think that uh, the cruise and vacation authority is going to take great care of you on that so let me give you a way to get in touch with them you can find the cruise and vacation authority at tcava.com that's the website tcava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300. 770-952-8300. Uh, that'll get you in touch with the Cruise and Vacation Authority. And as we uh, get into our SEC through here a little bit, Cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I do have to confess one thing, that we're trying to shorten the shows just a little bit, that I've gotten a tendency, like we're going, we're blowing past the hour mark on these shows. Uh, and we got the number one team in the country. It's easy to understand why But if I'm looking for a for an easy way to kind of tighten up the show just a little bit, shorten it just a little bit, you know, the idea of the SEC through is not even starting until the SEC through music is coming to an end. That's probably uh, one of those places if we're looking to get some time back. That might be one of those places that we can get that. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, we soldier on. And Georgia was number one in the playoff rankings last night. I want to show you this graphic from ESPN. We'll look at the rest of the top 25 there for a moment. I'll give you a few thoughts on what else kind of jumped at me from uh, last night. So I think you see a pretty good battle, first of all, coming in the SEC on Saturday between number 13, number 14 teams in the country in the base of the playoff ranking, Auburn and A&M. That is really fun. When you look at the top, I mean, you know, you heard Mike a moment ago making a case for Cincinnati. But the truth is, Cincinnati was sent a very direct message last night, and it's not an unsurprising message if you've been hearing me as of late. Cincinnati is not invited to the playoff conversation. Now you can say that's unfair, you can say whatever else. But if they're only sixth last night, they're never moving higher than that mark. Um, you know, if it comes down to a comparison between Cincinnati and Wake Forest, maybe they get the nod over that. But as long as you've got Ohio States and Alabamas and even you know a team like Michigan, who I don't quite think we're done hearing from as of yet. I don't I don't think they embarrassed themselves and they lost to Michigan State this past Saturday. Certainly in Oklahoma, as long as there was those kinds of options available, Cincinnati is just not a realistic choice for the college football playoff. And it's not because they're a bad team. They did play Georgia very tough a year ago. They got the win at Notre Dame earlier this year. That is the best win for a Group of Five team in the college football playoff era. It's not enough and if you're one of these teams that thinks Cincinnati deserves more consideration, here's the thing you have to understand that Cincinnati itself is making it too easy on the committee right now. Go back and look at the Tulane game from last week. They, you know, Played around with Tulane a little bit before finally pulling away there at the end. Didn't look great the week before that against Navy. So in what is in my mind a down American Athletic Conference compared to what it's been in the past. Right now, Cincinnati's not getting these dial-a-score wins that give you a real chance to to make the strong argument for them. It's too easy to disregard them right now. And as long as the committee has permission to do that, that's what it's going to do. Cincinnati at six is a clear indicator they're just simply not a part of the playoff discussion going forward, unless something really, really weird happens from here. Beyond that, we told you yesterday going into the talk last night that the Oregon-Ohio State discussion was going to be interesting. And the committee does give the head-to-head nod against Oregon right now. Now, here's my feeling on head-to-head stuff. I think head-to-head matters to a point. Like right now, to me, it's it would be weird not to have Oregon rated against Ohio, rated higher than Ohio State, just given the fact that Ohio State scuffled a little bit with Penn State on Saturday and really haven't proven a whole lot beyond what Oregon's done this year. I think the one loss Oregon had, I think the offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, was not even with them there that day, so... Um, you know, a little bit of a mitigating factor for the one loss that, that Oregon suffered here this year. But for now, head-to-head matters. However, head-to-head matters only for me up to a certain point. Ohio State still got big games yet to come against Big Ten East competition. That's not a bad division. Um, and eventually, Ohio State's going to put together the kind of resume, I believe, that will distance itself from Oregon, even though Oregon has the head-to-head win. Ohio State's going to finish the year if it keeps winning with better wins than than what oregon's gonna have so eventually i believe that ohio state overtakes oregon assuming it keeps winning and i guess that's probably my most reasonable prediction that it will but assuming it keeps winning it eventually flip-flops oregon but ranking oregon ahead of ohio state is probably the right choice right now but it was a little bit weird that uh, oklahoma was rated as low as it was but that's not can we see the graphic one more time i'll uh, react to this a little bit more uh oklahoma at eight you know I think the, the 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 question you have to ask yourself is what has Oklahoma really done? That's all that much better than what Wake Forest has done. Maybe maybe you know the comparison there to the to the unbeaten Power Five teams. You know maybe that's what keeps Oklahoma at eight. But the truth is, if Oklahoma keeps winning, they'll eventually have the conference championship. That gives that gives the committee permission to move them up if that's what they want to do. And I said before, you know, Michigan may have lost to Michigan State, and that's another kind of butt of jokes for Jim Harbaugh, who seems to come up short in big games all the time. But I don't think a Michigan team's quite been uh, excluded from this discussion yet. I think they may still be heard from there a bit. And you have to wonder. I mean, there's a very good chance that Wake Forest goes 12 and 0. Now you see Pitt right now only at number 25 after having uh, lost to Miami this past Saturday. That's a marquee win that uh, an ACC team could have gotten. That doesn't feel quite so marquee anymore. But it's not it's It's not impossible to think that the committee could be looking a decision of on. A- you know, a 13-0 conference champion Wake Forest that really ha- has beaten a less impressive group of teams probably collectively than what Cincinnati beaten. So what would you do with an undefeated Wake? I guess I'm not quite so sure. Uh, I'm sure the committee hopes not to have to consider any of that. And that's your college football playoff top 25 from last night with Georgia on top. And that is Cruz around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here on Dog Nation Daily, let's turn our attention. We just heard, you know, a lot from Mike Griffith on the subject of quarterbacks before. I told you. To me, the quarterback thing for George has been pretty straightforward. That J T. Daniels, up until recently, has not been practicing enough to to take back the reins of the starting quarterback job. I think lately he's been practicing more, taking a step. If you're a if you're J T. Daniels fan, you would say hopefully taking a step towards being able to be what he once was, the unquestioned starter of this team. Admittedly, yesterday though, when Smart was asked some of these questions, including I'm going to play you a little sequence here of being directly asked will stetson bennett start on saturday i didn't totally understand everything that smart said about all of this uh so let's uh let's hear kirby being asked directly about stetson bennett and smart taking the topic where he wanted to go this for your informational pleasure
2: will stetson be starting this weekend and in regard to a jt shaking off you know any rust how much of a necessity is it that he's able to continue to do that and he's for remaining regular season
1: games I think it's important for, for, for both of them to continue to develop, make good decisions. I mean, part of playing quarterback is accuracy, decision-making, mobility. Those things are the critical factors. I mean, anybody can hand it off. We all know that. And anybody can make our run checks and decisions. Um, but it's the it's the decisions when the ball's in your hand and you're having to make decisions where you're going with it, where you're throwing it, uh, all those things that are the you know biggest deciding factors. But, yeah, I'm pleased with where both of them are. This is this going to be starting again? Like I said, I'm pleased with where both of them are, and, and I think both of them are doing a great job.
0: So that's Kirby Smart kind of going with that where he wants to go. And, I mean, I don't think you can fault the question there. It's direct and to the point. will Stetson some start, and, you know, Kirby Smart's prerogative to answer it however he wants to. I mean, I continue to be of the belief that – You've got to protect the image of both these quarterbacks within the locker room itself. You've got to protect JT Daniels image because the guy that's been playing for you, Stetson Bennett, who's to say that he keeps playing at the level that he has been playing? The Florida game seemed like a step back. It's a it's a reminder that yeah, at one point in time he was air quotes here, just the backup quarterback. And at some point he may start playing like that again. So you've got to have a JT Daniels that's built up in the eyes of the team so that you can turn to him. But conversely, Daniels, who was named the starter at the beginning of the year, named the starter at the beginning of spring. Smart has not done very much. He's also just not been healthy, not been fully effective. And you can point to the eye popping stats against South Carolina and Vanderbilt. But those are bad football teams. You know, you go back and look what happened against Clemson. You're left to wonder. You know, those more meager that more meager statistical performance was that because Daniels at the time wasn't completely healthy and then was not able to play in some games after that. There's a chance that even if Daniels is healthy now. May not be healthy fully for you uh, for the rest of the season. He could get hurt again or one of those injuries that he's dealing with could flare back up again. So therefore, you've got to protect the reputation of Stetson Bennett within the locker room too, because you may go back to him because once again, Daniels is no longer available to you. And I guess in a roundabout way, that's what Smart's doing. It is a very difficult needle to thread. I won't pretend to know all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes here, but I will conclude by saying this, and I said this with Mike Griffin, I'll say it now. Obviously the quarterback position is the thing that can impact team chemistry more than anything else. But look around. Look at the look, look look at the way that Georgia has thrived here this year. Not just the defense. Think about the emergence of guys like Ladd McConkey and AD Mitchell and think about the way in which Brock Bowers is, you know, in the in the conversation as the top tight end in the country. I mean, a lot of that has happened on Stetson Bennett's watch. So it's not just the defense that's driving right now. There's some offensive guys who've certainly uh, had some fun here right now. And overall, the entire team seems to be enjoying itself. The entire team seems to truly be bought in. And so, you know, it remains to be seen how smart handles these quarterback decisions for the rest of the year. But certainly when you look at the way those decisions right now are impacting the, the chemistry of this team. You don't see any evidence of anything other than I guess if I'm using a double negative, you don't see any evidence of anything other than right now this team being completely bought into the scenario, regardless of uh, who might be playing quarterback. And I certainly think that is a uh, really good thing. Let me tell you something else I think is a really good thing before we get ready to wrap up here. That's the finish long drink. Now, you've heard me talk about the finish long drink before it comes to the United States from Helsinki. Go back you know, to the 1950s. And you've heard me tell you before that when you go to longdrink.com, you see the four different varieties. There's the traditional comes in a blue can. It's got the grapefruit citrus flavor. There's the long drink strong, which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume, long drink zero, no sugar. The, the long drink cranberry, which is, as you might expect, uh, cranberry. My wife loves that, by the way. And a lot of you have been saying, well, which is the right long drink for me? Well, the cool thing now is is you have these eight-pack variety packs where you get two of each of the four different varieties of the long drink so you can try your own version of the finished long drink and decide which one you like the best that's a really cool thing and if you want to find out more about this including where you can pick some up check out the today that'll tell you where the finished long drink is available near you it's somewhere i can promise you you can pick up that eight pack variety pack right now and try them all and decide which one you like the best so check out the finished long drink there today all right. I got a really cool uh, golden shoe submission today. It's so I'm going to give a shout out to someone who's actually turned out to be a little bit of a Nostradamus, if you will, with some pretty good predictions. So let me show you this on the screen. This is our golden shoe winner for today. I got this tweet. It comes from Justin Rams, who says, my prediction on September 4th, he says, let's go. So here he shows his own tweet. He's showing his work here. This is from September 4th. He says, bold predictions. Georgia wins the national championship. Braves win the World Series. Rams, led by Matt Stafford, win the Super Bowl so understand this when this tweet was sent on september the 4th the braves were only 71 and 65 they lost that day to the colorado rockets so we were a long way away from what the braves became you know became and justin on september 4th the same day that george b clemson by the way called him out to win the world series rams are also at seven and one right now i think um uh so these predictions working out pretty well here so maybe that Georgia prediction comes true there too also, let's do our gator Hater countdown 360 days from now. Georgia back in Jacksonville beating up on those lousy, stinking Gators again. We'll see you tomorrow right back here on Dog Nation Daily. And on the podcast, time now for the podcast, Cool Down, presented by R.S. Andrews. And, of course, we'll get to your comments here on both the Dog Nation homepage and on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. A lot of folks celebrating the Braves win there. Our buddy Silver Bridges is checking in to say it's great to be a Georgia Bulldogs. So he's having a good time. Uh, Dog since 76 also weighs in on a topic that came up about we used to do the Gator Hater updater, which was counting the number of days since Florida last beat Georgia. That was kind of a replacement one year for, or a couple of years for the Gator Hater countdown. And I got the impression in hearing from some of you that you liked the countdown better. I'm not saying that everybody felt that way, but a lot of folks seemingly did. Dog 76 says he does like the countdown better as well, which is maybe a little bit surprising that than what I would have expected, but I do have a fairly strong sense that the consensus is countdown over updater. So I think that's what we're going to keep going for right now today. Of course, 360 days until Florida gets beaten by Georgia again. That is really fun. Gary Harris checks in on Twitter to say, don't know what's sweeter, David Justice in Game 6 of the 1995 World Series or the Poetic Justice in Game 6 of the 2021 World Series because she showed up big. Well, that's a nice play on words there from Gary Harris. Well done all the way around. Seth B. Rose checking in and reminding us of the very funny, in retrospect, Mike Bianchi column for the Orlando Sentinel, where Bianchi was talking about how eventually Dan Mullen was going to get the best of Georgia, and all he had to do was start recruiting on the same level that, that Kirby Smart was at UGA. We said at the time that a lot easier to say that than do that. I mean, I actually recruit at the level of Smart, and it looks like Mullen's going to, whenever his career comes to an end, he's going to do so without ever achieving that same level that georgia has been on michael barry checking in he's having some fun here with all of this um nicole b fearless writes in about the braves saying the national media conveniently forgot that the braves are a national team tbs planted seeds all over the country i thought it was quite fitting the braves won it all in a city that seemed to have the most vocal braves fans outside of atlanta watching that game last night and you may have seen i tweeted a picture of a georgia fan standing next to a braves fan and there were a lot of braves fans there Growing up, I remember there would always be a good number of Braves fans there in Houston. It felt like it felt like you had a lot of uh, Braves fans cheering for uh, the Braves in Houston there last night. Uh, Stephen Burton says he's been waiting 25 years for this, for the Braves to win a World Championship, and boy, that felt great to be able to see Arnold Santiago also celebrating the Braves there too. A lot of folks not fans of Rob Manfred in our uh, comment section. Brian Whitehead checking in here. Uh, Brian Sellers says, after the Braves win last night, the next thing to go is going to be those 1980 jokes. And boy, won't that feel good when Georgia fans can shut folks up there the same, the same way that uh, the Braves were able to do that last night. And it's pretty hard not to think think that and see that. The, the notion that the Dogs could be next. And obviously, I was thrilled last night. And it's such a great celebration with my family when the Braves got the win they did. But I don't have to tell y'all, y'all know. How big is that celebration going to be when Georgia finally gets a chance to do the same thing? And we hope it's this year. Kirby Smart, you heard the audio from him on today's show. There's obviously a lot of work to be done to get there. But, man, a real chance that Georgia could celebrate something truly special and great by the end of the season and seeing the Braves and those of us who got a chance to be a part of that celebration last last night is just a reminder of how sweet it'll eventually be. Thanks for being here for our RS Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Appreciate that. We'll see you back here tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily, and we'll look forward to talking to you then.